Hello and welcome to our Cruising with Doris Visits podcast, number seven. Lucky seven. Are we going to feature the casino? I thought we'd have a laugh. I hope you don't mean ask David to tell a joke. Got a great joke today. Turn him on. Hey, honestly, this is brilliant. No, we're talking about real cruise ship comedians. I am a real comedian. But David, they don't let you tell jokes on the ship. Gene, control Stuart, please. You're not a real comedian. My friends laughed at me when I told them I wanted to be a comedian. Well, they're not laughing now. David, a real cruise ship comedian moves from ship to ship every week. They're never at home. I'll get you back in a minute. Occasionally, I visit schools and colleges, and mainly to pupils who are studying some form of media. And they're often quite shocked by the realisation that if you're successful, and if you do find work, you will be living away from home forever. Not all the time. Uh, whenever you mention anything that went wrong in the house or with the children, you loved adding that I was always away. You were away. Exactly, because you go where the films are made. A lot of people turned down Lord of the Rings because it was an initial 17-month contract in New Zealand. That would have been away. Our daughter Laura has just been away for eight weeks in an American miniseries about the life of Cary Grant. Exactly. Cruise ships are at sea and the acts that work on them are away. Jean got to ask one of the number one comedians that all the ships turn to and all the ships try and book. Phil Melbourne, what life was like as a ship comedian. Phil, do you ever get to go home? Yes, Jean, I do get home, but uh, not as much as I'd like. Obviously, uh, miss the family while I'm away. I've got four children, 17, 16, 11 and 10. It's um, stupid names, I know, but we like them. <laughs> Dale must have taken your lead. Where are you now? Yes, I, I'm home at the moment, which is uh, quite nice. This is the most time off I've had all year. It's uh, a bit different from being on a ship. Uh, at least now, when I'm walking down the corridor and start bouncing off the walls, I know that I've had a drink. I've seen you on many different ships. Do you have to change your act from one to another? I do change my act for different ships. You have to nowadays. Um, some of the American ships I work for require squeaky clean. Uh, most are kind of mid-range and a lot of the ships now also uh, require an adult show if you have one. So uh, you have to be able to work across the board to whatever ship you're on. Do you ever get asked strange questions? The funniest question I've been asked by a guest is uh, they said, there's so much rubbish on TV these days. Why aren't you on there? You could easily work on television, or you could host a game show. But I guess you risk losing all the ship's bookings, and then you could be stranded with a period of no work. Hey, talking of stranded, have you ever been stranded anywhere in the world? I have been stranded a few times, though usually in airports, so that's not too bad. But uh, a couple of times when I've been abroad, uh, there was one time in St Kitts uh, not too long ago where there was no pickup for me at the airport and uh, and no hotel either to go to. So I went to a hotel that I'd stayed at before and they looked me up in the system and said, yeah, we've got you here, but you're not booked in. And uh, so I spent the night lying on the couch in their reception area while they held my luggage for me. And, uh, yeah, probably wondering why I didn't just book myself a hotel. It just turns out that that day was, uh, happened to be the same day that the chip went on my credit card. So uh, I couldn't even buy my own room. Yeah, we just had a bank mishap because someone tried to scam us. So we had to cancel all our cards and get new ones. And we're just about to sail. Have you ever lost your bags? 
I've uh, I've lost my cases lots of times, lots of times. Well, I haven't lost them. The airlines lost them. But uh, but there's this great new thing. Obviously, if if, if uh, any of your listeners haven't heard of these Apple tags, they're about thirty pounds. Uh, it's a bit of an advertisement for Apple tags, but just uh, put one in your case, and then you'll never wonder where it is again. Um, and it also works for teenagers. Just put a little nick in their coat, pop it in, and actually, I'm not sure if that's legal. But uh, if you don't tell them, it doesn't count. So you'll always know where they are. Uh, try that. I'll get some of those, because we lost our bags once going to meet a ship. Phil, thanks very much. Yes, and uh, thank you for having me. Do you remember losing our bags? In Venice. In fact, the plane was delayed, then cancelled, then we had to run to another flight, but our bags didn't make the change, and we arrived just in time to get the ship before it sailed. But without our bags, British Airways knew where they were, and they would get them to Venice on the next flight, they said. But that wasn't much comfort because we were leaving Venice before the next flight came in. Then we were told that the local handler would get them to our next stop because the bags then have to chase you. Except the local handler didn't go to Zadar. I've been to Zadar. I didn't lose my luggage. But I did find a good joke. OK, David. I'm just going to put him back in the box. Makes him sound like a ventriloquist puppet. Right, now he's gone. Tell us what's special in Zadar. This is a unique feature. Just a short walk from the landing place is the world's first sea organ set in these stone steps. 35 pipes are set in the steps and the sea forces the air through them and makes these ever-changing chords. is at the entrance to the old walled city. The lion, St Mark, that you see above me, was the symbol of the Republic of Venice and is now the symbol of the Venice Film Festival. The Church of St Simeon dates from the late 12th century. In a casket on the altar are the remains of St Simeon, who was the protector of the city. You can easily spend hours just walking around the alleyways of the old town and then you come out to this beautiful market. The detached bell tower has panoramic 360 views from the top. The forum in the centre of the city was the centre of social life here. Unfortunately, it was destroyed in the Second World War and now it's presented in a sort of urban archaeological park and there's the archaeological museum behind it. Before I forget, the Apple tags that Phil mentioned earlier, we have put a link on it in the onboard shop so you can see where to find them. We have the online shop now in the menu on dorisvisits.com. And when I let David out the box and he comes back with his tech tip, uh, he will actually explain how they work. So that's the Apple tags. Now, Zadar. I, I really like Zadar. I think the whole of Croatia is full of gems. Was any of Game of Thrones shot in Zadar? It's a good question. Because although Zadar pops up in the searches, it's mainly because it's only an hour or so from good views of Split. Which is where Daenerys Targaryen kept her dragons. 
The thing with filming is that we have multiple units with different jobs to do and different shot lists. And as much as it's good to share catering and supply vehicles and trucks, you can also be too close to each other. They used loads of places in Croatia. More places than the 10 or so that are listed. It was perfect. And the second units and the grab units and the pickup units would all have poached shots for the digital artists. What, even pots and pans? And stonework and pillars? Yep, absolutely anything. Bits of shots of anything. Because they're like Lego bricks. All stock footage that make up a digital library that can build the environment where they all play out. So many units, they wouldn't even have characters or actors. At best, a few background supporting artists. So digital artists create a new world from old world. Yes, just the same as building with Lego. Taking the parts, adding them together. Was Dubrovnik the favourite? It looks perfect. They were overcome when they found it. Overcome with excitement can be very dangerous, though. Why? Because when you walk around Dubrovnik and look out to sea in the bays, it's perfect. Sure, but the problem with ruins is that they're old. And when the film's actually being made, they should look new. And so, therefore, the old ruins had to be made to look better. So they would have had to paint or colour it up in places to make it look new and perfect. Yes, correct. We do have a great Game of Thrones video on dorisvisits.com. That's where I walk you around the sites and Stuart shows you some of the sections the grab units will have filmed to give digital the building blocks they needed. I went to Dubrovnik on the ship. So, David, your big chance. Have you got a joke from Dubrovnik? No. He's a clown. Actually, a clown opened a door for me yesterday and I thought, that's a nice jester. OK, let's get back to a real comedian. Oh, that's unfair. No, I mean someone who's spent their life working at sea, making people laugh when they're on holiday. You see, they only make people laugh for two weeks a year. But I have to try and do that for the rest of the year. What would we do without you? Excuse me, David. Taffy, how long have you been working on the ships? It's got to be over 20 years now. I actually met the wife on the cruise ship. I said, what the hell are you doing here? Who's looking after the kids? Um, of course, uh, I, went, I met the wife around about the same time as I met uh, you and Jean on that world cruise on the Black Watch. I think it was a world cruise, wasn't it? It was. We joined the ship in Antigua and went to Tahiti. And I think you might have met her on that a long time ago. That was a while back. Yeah, me and the wife have only just got married in the last month. Swept her off her feet. Slowly. We haven't had our honeymoon yet. Uh, well, she's working on Aberdeen cruise ship. And we, and we pass, like passing ships in the night, basically, at the moment. But that's a uh, cruise life for you. Oh, we were just talking to Phil Melbourne and we got into losing bags. You're always flying. As a matter of fact, something happened to me last week. Uh, just before I got onto the plane, I was handing my luggage in, of course. And I noticed a bunch of mistletoe hanging over the belt. I said to the girl, I said, uh, oh... That's nice, trimming up early for Christmas. She said, no, mate, that's to kiss your luggage goodbye. Very funny. But now, can you tell us a real crazy thing that has happened to you on a ship, but without a joke? I think one of the craziest things that ever happened to me on a cruise ship, and believe me, there was a few, I'm always getting myself in trouble. This was a while back when we had the volcano dust cloud from Iceland and nobody could fly anywhere in Europe. The first port of call, which was called Porto, I ended up jumping off the ship, but only just to get something for my act, because I was working that night. 
And uh, I didn't clock the time, did I? Which was it was two o'clock when the ship was leaving. I came back at three thirty, and the ship was actually out two miles. So here I am in Porto, no phone, no passport, and uh, dust cloud, and you can't go anywhere. So uh, I had to think really fast. Yeah, I managed to see the pilot coming from the ship, and when he came in on his little boat, I told him the story. He said, "Jump on the boat." He took me out, and he radioed the ship, and the captain, to my amazement, stopped the ship. Just couldn't believe it. We get the side of the ship, it looks up 80 foot, steel door opens, a ladder comes down the side of the ship. There I am climbing up the side of the ship like Spider-Man. There's about uh, 1,500 people out looking down, clapping and screaming and having a great laugh at my expense. That night I went on stage and all the people were chanting Spider-Man, Spider-Man, because I climbed up the side of the ship. I get off in Southampton and uh, I'm in the car, I get a phone call from head office thinking they're going to sack me for this incident and it was my boss telling me that they want to contract me for another two years so i said yeah i must miss the ship more often these things happen that's amazing because in my novel cruise ship heist commander phillips gets drunk in st vincent i'm not saying you were drunk taffy um after a problem with a woman he'd got very close to and he is missing the ship he runs towards it and leaps over the customs area then sees the gangplank has been pulled up but he doesn't stop running. And I didn't get that from you. A lot of things happen to see. And I just sit in the lounge and write them into novels, with a major crime weaving them all together. You've won a few awards, haven't you? Tell us. Yes, I've had a few awards in the past. Um, I've won uh, numerous awards for Clubland, Clubland Actor of the Year. Done it about three, four times. And then I ended up working for royalty, of all things. Yeah, that's right. Princess Anne, Chiline. He was on the Orient Express. He was going from Paddington to Paddington and shared all her charity workers with Chiline and she was giving them a silver service. Uh, also, she had her own wagon on there, as you call it, with all her uh, friends like Krista Berg, Jackie Stewart, Sean Connery. So I went in to entertain them with a bit of close-up magic and stuff then came out and started entertaining the other people. But what I didn't realise was uh, I used to do a trick with a fork and I had to go take one of the forks off the table, go into the toilet and snap the head off it for this trick to work. I can't explain the trick, obviously, because it'll give the trick away. But that's exactly what I did. And um, I remember Princess Anne commenting on that particular trick. She said, that was wonderful. I took the, I was like Yuri Geller, I took the fork and I bent it all over the place and straightened it back up and then gave it back to Princess Anne. She was just blown away. She said, what are you doing next week? I said, why is that? She said, well, uh, Prince Andrew needs a big uh, function in Windsor Castle. And sure enough, uh, the next day I get a call and I'm up in Windsor Castle a week later doing this big function and uh, who walks over to me on one of the tables as I'm doing the fork trick of all things is uh, Lord Archer and uh, he invites me over to to meet Prince Andrew, of all people. He says, show him that fork trick. And as I'm doing the fork trick, Prince Andrew turns and says, oh, that's unbelievable. It's even one of Mummy's forks because it's got the crest on it. I'd taken one of the Queen's forks, went into a toilet on Yarnt Express and snapped the head off, not looking and not knowing until Prince Andrew pointed it out. And I just moved on quickly and uh, I still got the fork somewhere, I think, uh, of the Queen's collection. God rest her soul. It is an unusual life to lead. Strange things happen at sea and lead to crazy things on land. One of the most incredible things that came my way, which I didn't expect at all, and was uh, nothing to do with cruise ships. Actually, it was uh, 
in a roundabout way it was because it was when I met you and Jean on that world cruise that we did together. I realised I'm on with a writer, producer, director and uh, I just can't believe my luck. If there's one thing I've always wanted to be and that is in films and uh, I never thought for a second I'd get a chance until you actually phoned me up and gave me a little bit part which is, i got to say, fantastic and I enjoyed every moment of it. It was brilliant. Especially sitting opposite uh, great actors like Billy Murray, Craig uh, Fairbrass, uh, your lovely wife Jean... Joe Egan and many others, really. And uh, it's it's about it's called Freight. It's, it's about um, uh, it's a thriller about the Russian criminals operating the sex trade. What a great story! What a great film! Anyway, just reminding me, I'm going to go back now and I'm going to watch it again. That was the one and only Taffy Spencer, a real character, and he referred to a movie we made years ago. Yeah, strange film because. A number of the Emmerdale crew I worked with used to always ask me about the movies I was on. I used to be on the movies and then go back to Emmerdale month after month to supervise the action, from plane crash to train crash. And some said they wanted to make a movie. And a Yorkshire Business Association came to me and said they'd found some backers. We did a deal with Icon Pictures. Mel Gibson's old company. Yes, and the story was about Russian gangsters trafficking women to England. And the drama saw them cross Billy Murray. And you played his wife. I did. And our daughter Laura, who is just filming playing Cary Grant's wife in an American miniseries, played his daughter and was taken. And we made this before Taken was made. (laughs) Billy and his men get Laura back. And rescue the women. Sergey, Chacha, Christy wants us. This is a scene with Taffy and Andy, another cruise ship comedian. Rosa. The girls trick the men into thinking they're into some fun. Who I like? Taff. Never. Take your bra off and make it disappear. He's annoying. Follow me. The imprisoned girl is Natalie Anderson from the Royal and Emmerdale. They get the two men to undress, then drug them, steal their clothes, and escape. You better take his clothes off. Yeah, take them off. That was Taffy's part. And he was brilliant, very natural. Freight was planned to be a big hit. Icon Pictures threw money at it, cinemas up and down the country, TV adverts, and Billy was to be on every talk show from Loose Women to Soccer Saturday. Quick, get dressed, go. Police. No, we have go. You go. I have to find my daughter. Then disaster hit. Yes, the Red Top Press ran a story about Billy and his wife, and even though the press had not got the story right, all the TV shows pulled the interviews with Billy. Icon pulled the TV adverts, the cinemas cancelled. And the investors, and all involved, lost money. Good luck, this week's Prime Minister. And now, over to our resident comedian, David. OK, time to get serious, if that's possible. So here's today's techie tip. Losing your luggage can be a nightmare. Losing anything, for that matter, especially on a cruise. Even at home, how easy is it to lose our keys? Where's my keys? Have you seen my keys? Well, that's why I love things like tile and Apple AirTags. You attach the tag to your keys, or you pop the tag inside your luggage. 
And then if you ever need to locate them, open the app on your phone and it will lead you to the tag. Now that's smart technology working for us. That was our first look at comedy. No doubt there will be others. As always, we finish with a chapter from Cruise Ship Heist. Which you can listen to nightly, read on YouTube in A Cruise Book at Bedtime. Find the access by going to dorisvisits.com and then the menu, Podcasts. Where you'll find these episodes and below are the free audiobooks. Chapter 7. Uniforms. Did you bring your uniform? I'm asked by Georgie. Clutching her hand luggage tight to her chest, she leans forward to the driver powering through the traffic and shakes his shoulder. You'll never be a racing driver. I did. Did what, she asks. Bring my uniform. You'll do fine then, even though I bet you know nothing about the canal. Right? She laughs. I didn't say that, I correct her. But it does seem ridiculous that I'll be posturing as an expert to a few thousand guests after having done a little homework on the web. We never sent the British Army to Panama, she mocks. No, but Britain was part of the plan in 1843, though it never carried it through. Had it been, you'd have been on it, she cuts in, with enough punch and intrigue to have a drummer rap out a two-hit sting. I need to learn from her. No, but it might have been called the Atlantic and Pacific Canal. They may have even tried to fit British in the title. Just testing. I don't need to hear the whole act, she says. None of the Panama lecturers were ever at the build. They all studied it. Don't worry. But I am an expert on tracked vehicles, big diggers, building bridges, people, movement and operations. Maybe I'll be different. I can see you're different, she smiles. In the back seat... It's easy for me to look behind. The bag, hidden under Georgie's cover, looks like the Latina's missing fourth bag. If heavy, this one's full of money too, and someone may well have died for it. So what's Georgie up to? Ronnie notices me eyeing the luggage. She's far too streetwise for a biologist. She's not just worked in the field, she's worked in someone else's field. I suspect, like me, she's done duties she will never speak of, so that'll be a conversation we won't have. Is she wondering if Georgie is smuggling money or drugs? Or is she in on it? That could be a serious haul of cocaine, the size of which sees you locked up for life anywhere. Are cruise ships part of the drug route around the world? I'm now assessing my awkward position very differently. I'm your manager and your daughter's boss, Georgie says. Does she know I've noticed the bag? I have two uniforms. I'll look the part. I hold her guilty gaze. Save them for your stage lecture. They won't see you do the Panama commentary. They'll be looking at the canal. You'll be on a microphone on the bridge. And I suggest you don't try and out-uniform the captain. Well, I am Captain Phillips. I say, repeating what was supposed to be a joke. That's not funny, she says. And I agree. No idea why. We approach the port gates with armed guards. More customs, I ask Ronnie, thinking of the routine. Off the plane, into the country, out of the country, 
onto the ship. Ronnie looks from the security to Georgie, who appears fearful. The guards stop our minibus. One is at the front. Another, with a mirror on a pole, looks underneath. A third guard opens the back door, looks at our cases, then straight at me. He takes a probe with a cloth on the end and rubs the cases. One, then the other. The swab goes into a detector, which is triggered, and we wait for the lights to settle. It looks like I won't be going to the rainforest. See you next week. Have a great week.